Hello and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. This is a special uh, single review I'm doing as I just saw the movie at the Chicago press screening yesterday for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I watched it and then did a podcast with Ian Simmons for his podcast, Kicking the Seat, for which I'm on frequently, plus am on his other podcast, What If He Doesn't Survive?, which is a podcast about The Mandalorian. I do that with him and David J. Foley uh, from KeepingItReal.com. Uh, so it was me, Mr. Foley, uh, Iman Walker from Iman's Reviews, and uh, Don Shanahan from Every Movie Has a Lesson. If I sound a little disoriented, I apologize. I'm pretty much running on fumes as I only got four hours of sleep before the screening and <laughs> was at a holiday party at my job the day before and just finished writing my review and checking it after 400 times. Let's cut to the chase. What did I think of the movie? Um, J.J. <laughs> Abrams, as I was afraid, it was not the guy to do this film. Uh, you know, this is, if you were thinking this is a film that is made to be an answer or a retaliation to The Last Jedi, that is exactly what it is. I was personally not a fan of The Last Jedi, uh, for all the reasons on the internet that many people have pointed out, you know, especially the humor, especially, you know, when Luke throws the lightsaber over his head, I just thought, well, you could have subverted my expectations, but not be so rude about it. Well, J.J. Abrams is very rude to Ryan Johnson in a way that's quite unprofessional, where he's basically just giving him the middle finger throughout the whole movie. Um, we They address Ray's lineage in a way that completely makes no sense whatsoever other than to please the dwindling fans who might have scoured the internet with with their opinions of disdain for the last jedi and in in giving those the, sort of the toxic fandom the acclamation that they want they made a movie that was just this grandiose mess that didn't have a center to it didn't have a single sense of cohesiveness, and had no emotional resonance to it because there was nothing to make us really emotionally resonate with these characters as they weren't built on since The Last Jedi, where The Force Awakens set everything up and then The Last Jedi slammed it with a sledgehammer where we don't get to learn much more about Poe other than he's too much of a hothead and needs to calm down. Well, they don't develop anything really about him in the film other than, oh, look, he's a cool pilot. Uh, Finn is not developed at all. It's just the same old thing. I, I was in the First Order, and I didn't like them, and then I turned, which I always just thought was kind of odd. If you were raised as a child to be a stormtrooper and brainwashed all your life and then all of a sudden decided to change one day because you didn't want to open fire on a bunch of civilians, wouldn't you be trained since you were a child to not mind doing that when you're an adult uh 
but that's besides the point. There is another character in the film um, uh, played by an actress who is, and this is a slight spoiler, but it really is just a throwaway line with a throwaway character. All the new characters are throwaways. She is also a former stormtrooper who didn't want to open fire on a bunch of people in a different place. And that's about as far as we get with Finn. Nothing happens with him. They don't develop his character. Um, and Ray, the, the only thing we ever knew about her was that she didn't know who her parents were. She was torn about it. And then in the second film or the Last Jedi, the eighth film or ninth film, whatever it is, the eighth film. I'm yeah, come on, I know myself. Okay, the eighth film. Um, yeah, they say that her parents came from nothing, and honestly, that didn't bother me so much. I thought, well, that's an interesting direction to go, where, um, perhaps you know, you don't have to be from this specific lineage, this specific bloodline, to make a difference in this world. You could still be connected to the force excluding your midichlorian count well for jj abrams as a guy who made a joke recently when talking about how he was with george lucas and george lucas uh you know uh, how the interview went with him he basically just said well george sure loves his midichlorians well jj it seems like you sure like them too because when we really find out who uh, Ray is, uh, yeah, that that has to do with who she's related to. And uh, this is some slight spoiler territory, and we'll get a little more into it. But it doesn't, it didn't need to be like that. This movie, if it wanted to answer some things or retcon some things from the Last Jedi. You could do that, but it didn't need to center the entire plot, the entire story, the entire motivation on it, because it leans so heavily on middle fingers to Ryan Johnson. It looks unprofessional, it's amateurish, and it's uncreative. And the most uncreative part of this movie is that, just like The Force Awakens, this is a rehash of Return of the Jedi. Or as I wrote in my review from the title, The Rerun of the Jedi. This is a movie that in its third act just becomes this, almost the same exact identical film. And we, we have some planet destroying devices in here. We have, uh, you can probably guess what's going to happen with uh, Kylo Ren. Um, and it was also predictable, also unoriginal that yes, it did make me appreciate the last Jedi a little more, but I still, and I will argue this, you can not like both pictures for different reasons. The last Jedi felt like it subverted expectations for the sake of just subverting them. Uh, the force awakens. I, at the time, did not mind it being a retread. I still, as a matter of fact, do not mind it being a retread of A New Hope, considering the absolutely considering the history that Star Wars went through, considering the disdain that the fans and audiences alike felt for the prequels, myself included. 
And I will say that I still don't like the prequels because, as you know, yes, it it, it was it did a wonderful job in world building. There was originality to it, but you still cannot excuse poor uh, acting and poor dialogue and poor story structure. But what I will say that the prequels did do was they did exist for a meaning, for a purpose in this entire saga. The prequels, for all of their flaws, at least this episodes 1, 2, and 3 that leads to 4, 5, and 6. When Star Wars came out at the time, it was not called episode 4. It was just called Star Wars. But when uh, The Empire Strikes Back came out, it started with Star Wars. Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. So then audiences went, hmm, Episode 5. So then the last one must have been 4. Where's 1, 2, and 3? So that's kind of where that kernel of an idea of, oh, so there's a history to these good guys and these bad guys and this Darth Vader that we don't know about. And of course, when Darth Vader said, no, I am your father to Luke... There is a story there to fill in, and maybe for all of its flaws, for how we weren't emotionally invested in Anakin, and we weren't heartbroken when he turned, and it wasn't this amazing Shakespearean tragedy by the third film, it was still an interesting one, uh, we, had, we had a gap to fill, we had a story that existed for a reason, that made sense. Now, with this sequel trilogy, one thing I was always worried about was that it it would feel horseshoed in, that it wouldn't exist for a reason. Uh, my first big concern of that wasn't the retread of the plot of A New Hope, but the fact that there was this resistance in this First Order, and we don't know where they came from, and there's no episode gaps in between those. It's just, well, it just happened for the sake of the convenience of the plot to win the fans over so I thought those were probably going to be explained in The Last Jedi. They weren't. Were they going to be, are they explained in this film? Yes, but in a very contrived, lazy, throwaway line, plot device, bullshit mechanic way that undermines everything. Now, I'm only at the 10 minute mark here, which is... Wow, so I only went out for... I'm going to get into spoilers here, okay? Now, if you... This is one of the rare times when you could see a movie, a a trailer to a movie. Again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm exhausted. But you can see a trailer to a movie, and in that trailer, there is... Uh, you know, th- th- there's the reveal that Emperor Palpatine is in this film. Well, he's in it from, like, the first scene of the movie. Palpatine, you know that Red Letter Media joke? Palpatine's behind it all. Palpatine was behind everything. Although he was thrown into, you know, that giant uh, glowing power thing in the second Death Star and was eviscerated and then the Death Star blew up. Somehow he survived. How does he survive? How is he alive? Well, they never explain that. Why? Who the fuck knows why? Because J.J. Abrams is lazy and decided not to fucking put it in there. So, what happens? 
uh, they have a throwaway line where he says, I have died many times. Okay. So, and then he says, Snoke was my creation, as was the First Order. So that was it. The Emperor created all of it while somehow living underground inside the remains of the destroyed second Death Star. And somehow, not his spirit, that would have made sense if maybe it was a spirit or something. No, a physical entity of him that's burned and charred a little bit from the thing he was throwing in still exists. <laughs> what the fuck? I, okay, I thought, I thought Leia floating through space was... Uh, looked ridiculous at the time. And I know Star Wars isn't scientifically sound, to say the least, but this movie makes that moment seem so quaint. Not only in the pointless resurrection of the Emperor, but also the the whole like kind of forced Skype thing they were doing in the previous movie. Well, they do that in this film. But this time, they force and Skype and fight and do basically everything as if the person was present in that room. And it's much more than just tapping someone in the head with a cane or dropping in, you know, a roll of dice in someone's hands. Like, they do every Like, they, they might as well just be having sex telepathically that way. God, that reminds me of that scene from uh, her. Never mind, we're walking Phoenix having sex with this computer. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. God, I'm tired. Um, so, they really take a lot of liberties of what you can do with the Force. A lot of liberties. And I get that the Force, you can basically do anything, but there always has to just be just a little bit of of a suspension of disbelief that you have to hold back from your audience. You have to hold something back where, where they can't just do fucking everything with the Force. And it just seems through like each Star Wars movie, they did a little more and a little more and a little more where it got ridiculous. And God, it, it's gotten over, it's gotten out of hand now from projecting yourself from across the universe. I don't have a problem with that, but floating through space, I do. And then ugh, being able to Skype and fight people, it's just, you, you can't, you, you, it's hard to buy it even in Star Wars. And if it's hard to buy something that doesn't make sense in Star Wars, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Maybe some people will disagree with me. You say you can do anything you want with the Force. And in theory, you can. In execution, I don't think it works. Um, but the the main issue I have with this movie, other than being a retread of Return of the Jedi, is that bringing back Palpatine greatly undercuts, it perverts, uh, undermines, whatever you want to say, the whole purpose of the first six movies. I get you're trying to tie this to the other six movies, but to magically bring back a character who's dead makes no sense. And also, the whole purpose of Palpatine was that he manipulated the Senate. He manipulated Anakin Skywalker into becoming Darth Vader. And then Anakin Skywalker got his revenge when he killed the Emperor and redeemed himself. And then the Empire was destroyed and balance was brought back to the universe. The story was closed. 
And we never understand who this First Order is other than through this throwaway line from the Emperor saying, I created all this because they didn't know what to do as writers. These writers didn't know what to do. It was J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio, I believe you say how you say his name. If you're not familiar with him, he wrote Argo, which, okay, great job. But he also wrote Batman vs. Superman and the Justice League. And if we remember anything about those two films, they were overstuffed with with things from other comics, other sources that shouldn't be crammed into one movie. And this movie crams a lot into this film. It's it's it moves so fast. It's dizzying, and not in a good way. Like anytime there's a somber moment between characters, excuse me, I'm leaving it in. If there's a somber move, mo- moment between characters or anything, you know, that, that that maybe the film takes a step back and lets us relax for a bit, we don't feel it because the movie's just so on the run. Like, there's got to be at least, like, ten chase scenes in this film. The whole movie's just a big chase scene. And for your final climax of the, of the entire story, it shouldn't be this. But guess what? They were kind of screwed with this whole thing. They didn't let Michael Arndt finish his screenplay for the original, uh, you know, Force Awakens for Episode Seven, because he was going to take two years to develop it. To develop it, and Kathleen Kennedy said, "We don't have time for that." I believe there's even a tape of her saying that, you know, in the behind the scenes, like we didn't have time for him to take two years to write the story. Well, Kathleen, you should have given him that two years because he's a brilliant screenwriter. He wrote Little Miss Sunshine. He wrote Toy Story 3. I think you would have been in good hands. But no, they rushed it. They gave it to J.J. Abrams, who is a filmmaker who just recycles ideas to reboot other franchises. With Mission Impossible, he took elements from the show and just spiced it up with some modernistic action. Mission Impossible, Star Trek, he turned into Star Wars. Star Wars, he recycled A New Hope. And you would think, okay, with this one... Like he has to know, don't recycle the same plot. I was, I was, uh, but he did. He did it with, he just recycled the same plot of Return of the Jedi and it's inexcusable to do that for your final film. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame, oh fuck, I'm gonna sound like Bush. Fool me twice, shame on me. (sighs) Well, that's what they did. I mean, I will say I am relieved because I saw this video from Red Letter Media way back where, you know, they said they were predicting that the movie would have a horrible time travel plot line, and Abrams used that in Star Trek Into Darkness, where he recycled the plot of the Wrath of Khan in that movie. And luckily, they didn't use... Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. It was the first Star Trek to use time travel. The second one, they recycled uh, Wrath of Khan. I'm getting my J.J. Abrams recycling of materials mixed up. But no, instead of recycling... Uh, instead of using time travel, they just they, yeah, they just do the Return of the Jedi thing, and by the end of, by the end of the film, it wants to tie everyone together so much, all this lineage it makes no sense. All right, here's the big reveal. I'm gonna tell you it. Okay, here we go. So mark your mark mark this right now. Stop listening if you want to. So Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, who he was having sex with. Beats me. I mean, the guy did run the galaxy, so he probably forced a lot of people into, uh, you know, unwanted 
sex. You know, he was like Jabba the Hutt with his sex slaves. He was just he was just Harvey Weinsteining it all over f- the fucking galaxy. So probably some, but it's like if he was doing that, then how? Which girl did he know? Did he know he impregnated? Did they? Did she tell him? Why did he go after Ray if she she was his granddaughter? If she had the force. How did he survive that incident? You see, this movie answers the lineage question, but then it leaves so much unanswered. Where am I on this? I feel emotionally cheated by this film. You know, and that's what this film is. It's a cheap cheat. The, you know, the reason the original Star Wars films worked, you know, numbers four, five, and six, were because their characters went through significant changes in that middle act. You know, and Luke Skywalker in the first one was, we remember, he was kind of this flawless, amazing character who he could hear uh, Uncle Ben, uh, Obi-Wan's voice, you know, speaking to him through the Force, he destroyed the Death Star on his first day as an X-Wing pilot. He was kind of the Larry Stew, you know, to add, to raise Mary Sue. Uh, but then when we get to the second film, what happens? Well, Luke is too confident in himself. When he tries to train with Yoda, he's made a fool of, and then his friends get captured. And what happens? He gets his ass kicked and he finds out that his father is the second most powerful man in the galaxy who has murdered all of the Jedi. And you know, is essentially a monster. And Han Solo, he goes from this greedy smuggler to helping everyone out in the first film to someone who basically sacrifices his life. They freeze him in carbonite, but he stays alive, as we find out in Return of the Jedi. Um, no, we do find that out in the second, Empire Strikes Back, I'm sorry. Um, but he, he, he goes from someone who's selfish to selfless and, and does help everyone out. So these characters had arcs and they had struggles and things they had to overcome. And there's more to them than just the basics of what we know. You know, what do we know with Ray? She doesn't know where her parents are, so she's sad about it. What do we know about Finn? He was in the First Order. He didn't want to be in the First Order anymore. What do we know about Poe? He's an, he's a hot-headed pilot, and he's still a hot-headed pilot. They don't ever develop any of that. Even some of the characters they had in the last film, which I thought was particularly insulting to the actors. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran, I believe her name was. She played uh, Rose in the last film. She has, like, almost no lines or screen time in this film. It's like, look, if the fans don't like her, try to write a better character out of her. Don't just fucking throw her at a sideline like she's nothing. That's just insulting. And um, on that note, because we couldn't relate to those characters, because we couldn't relate to Anakin in the prequels, and he was just this whiny brat when he turned into Darth Vader, we didn't give a shit. We're like, good. I'm, I'm glad to see how it happened. Whatever. You know? So, that's why those original films worked. We we had a, a connection with these characters because we saw them go through hardship and we saw them grow. And uh, this one, these characters are the same from the beginning to the end with the exception of Kylo Ren who, guess what? He goes to the light side. What a big fucking surprise. Which, you know, I, I'm not saying I minded that, but when a movie is that predictable, it's not interesting. There was an interview with Ryan Johnson recently where he did say 
that he would rather make a movie that would challenge an audience and subvert their expectations and and do something different than just cater to them. And although I didn't particularly like the way he did just what he said in The Last Jedi, I completely agree with his statement. You know, you should subvert expectations. You should be creative. Maybe not in the manner of turning the material into a punchline, but I think what J.J. Abrams did is just as bad, if not worse, where he takes everything and he caters so much that when you leave the theater, there's nothing to think about after the movie. Nothing to get mad about, nothing to uh, 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 ponder about, nothing to be fascinated by. Just, you say, okay, and you leave the film, and you get your money's worth, and this one, I mean, if if you're just someone who doesn't know anything about Star Wars and the whole legacy or the saga, you'll say, oh, that was a fun film. And you'll leave and you'll have a good time. If you're someone who cares about these movies, you'll see it and you'll say, why did they do all make all these terrible, dumb decisions? This movie's clearly made. By the seat of the director's pants. I mean, J.J. Abrams said, I think maybe two weeks ago, that the movie was done. That's unheard of. Movies are done months and months and months before release. Well, maybe not months and months, but months before release. And, you know, oftentimes they'll go through a festival circuit for a year and so forth. And big commercial films are done. At least, yeah, they're done at least like two months at the least before release, not two weeks. And, there, there was just so much. We knew this was going to be a disaster, and I, I don't say this to to be some, you know, YouTube guy trying to get hits complaining about something I don't like. I, I wanted to like this movie, even after I initially came out of it and I started my podcast at the end. I said, "Well, it was sloppy and convoluted, and you know, over the top." But I think I liked it in the end. But then as our conversation went on, I realized, oh yeah, I was just denying how much I, <laughs> how much I hated it. I was going through that old fan denial I had with the prequels, or after each film, I just couldn't accept the fact that I didn't like the movie. And I just, <sighs> after this, I want this stupid Skywalker saga to end. I, I'm just sick of Star Wars. I'm, I'm just sick of it. Sick of seeing the same shit. And I don't want... I just keep... Don't make another Star Wars movie for a while. I know Disney hasn't. that, that are, are planning on not making them for at least three years. Um, I think uh, that's why they're focusing on The Mandalorian now. And they released an episode today. Uh, which is Wednesday. The uh, 18th. I'm... Um, and they are also releasing um, uh, a review. Uh, uh, oh God! Oh, the Obi Wan uh, television series. Um, and I'm pre. I I have. You know, we'll see when the trailer to that comes out. But 
they're they're investing more in these shows and these individual properties, which are much more interesting, I think, because they know that this whole thing with the movies didn't work out. So yeah, it's a big disappointment, but I I wasn't surprised. I wasn't expecting much walking in. I heard they were hiring J.J. Abrams and going, oh, God, they're going to, you know, try to course correct it. And, yeah, they did. And, it, you know, look, even if you don't like where the ship went, take it in your own direction. Be creative. Be a filmmaker. You know, don't be a fucking businessman. But that's what J.J. Abrams is. Like, he seems like a wonderful person, a wonderful human being. He seems like a incredibly hard worker. And I hate being so critical about someone who seems like a good man. But good intentions are not. If your if your movies aren't that good, they're just not that good. Um, but I'd I'd like to see him try to ex- maybe explore something completely independent, independent, uh, something of his own thoughts, of his own conscious. You know, rather than some based on something else, but I don't know if he can do that. But I'd like to see that. Um, and for Star Wars, just focus on the shows now. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to see another live action Star Wars movie on the big screen for some time. I'm fatigued by it. I'm very. I knew Star Wars fatigue was going to happen. I was already feeling it after the first one, and this just continues on. So yeah, in the end, I gave I gave the Rise of Skywalker a two out of four stars because uh, I appreciate the effort. A lot was put in. You could tell they tried really hard to please everyone, but this is what happens when you try too hard to please everyone, and you can't. You wind up with a stinker. And I think there might be. We'll see what happens once this review embargo lifts. Uh, certainly it will be lifted when this is uploaded because, well, if I uploaded it before the embargo, I'd be in a hell of a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> and that just wouldn't be right for me to do also. That would just, <laughs> you can figure it out. Um, so, but I'm going to guess Rotten Tomatoes, I was speaking with my colleague Don and he said this is going to be like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think with the the audience, it might be the same amount, maybe lower. Um, you'll definitely get the guys who are angry, so angry about the the Last Jedi. They'll just be angry, happy that hangry. <laughs> maybe I am. Uh, I'm already heavy enough. Maybe they'll just be happy to see a film that is a total fuck you to that movie. You know. Because they're consumed by the dark side. But, yeah, for me, um, I think there'll be balance in the force in terms of the reviews. The critics and the audiences will share a certain level of mediocrity or contempt or what have you for this film. Or a big, meh, 60%. And that's balancing the force of that movie. And that's all I have to say about The Rise of Skywalker. Well, I know this isn't the usual format, but you have to be consistent with your content. And Jesus, I haven't done a podcast in forever because my life has just been going off the fucking rails with the amount of work I've been doing. But that's a personal thing. 
And with having all this said, it's about 31 minutes of me ranting about it. You can hear more of the discussion on Ian Simmons' podcast, Kicking the Seat. That's at kickseat.com. And I think our discussion, yeah, will be up on that website and through his podcast as well. And uh, you can hear me and four of the critics talk about the movie for about like an hour and a half or something like that. And you can read my written review for The Rise of Skywalker at ypareviews.com. YPA stands for you'll probably agree. So go to ypareviews.com to check out my written review. And go to kickseat.com to listen to uh, me on it, uh, on and every and Iman and Don and Dave and Ian. Uh, <laughs> go on there to hear our long discussion about it. I'm sorry this if this sounded a bit rambly and, and you know as incoherent as that movie was, but I tried my best with with as little sleep as I got. So thank you guys. Hope to uh, see you again later. And if I don't see you before Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas, have a very Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays to those who don't like hearing Christmas. Don't worry, I'm not a war on Christmas guy. Um, I'm just a war on same old bullshit stories told via Star Wars and recycled nostalgia kind of guy. Okay, thanks guys, and you'll probably agree.